Hi, this is Jesse Brisnine. I believe that it is possible to live an extraordinary life after loss, and to do that, one must first choose to heal. This podcast is focused on sharing with you inspiring stories, tangible tools, and life strategies to help you heal from your loss. So Donna, hello, good morning, and thank you so much for being here. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here, and I'm so grateful you agreed to do this. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm glad we got the times all figured out. We had a couple little, we had a couple little calendar mismatches. Both Don and I were struggling with figuring out how to tell time. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I forget how to tell time in different time zones. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do so many time zone switches every day, and I just there's sometimes I get them crisscross, and I think there's a little bit of dyslexia or something that pops up for <laughs> maybe, me. Maybe, maybe. Well, Donna, you know, I, I, it's a real joy to have you here. And if you want to go ahead and start off with just maybe sharing a little bit of your story about what has you here today. Um, well, um, in 2016, my husband had, uh, we found out he had lung cancer in October, October 1st, we found out. And then he died December 1st. So it was so bad wow. that, you know, so it was, it was quick. And I have four kids, three stepdaughters that live with us and my son. So it was hard for them. The girls are a little older. They're 26, 24, 18, and he's 16. So, so it was hard for them to watch that. It was painful and going through the grieving process, all of us together, all different, you know, each kid I noticed had a different grieving process, different than mine too. So yeah, even now still. So <clears throat> isn't that amazing that how as family, you can all be so close, but how you right. process everything so differently. Right. And in each one completely different how they processed it, um, how they handled it, how even me different, completely different than for me. But, you know, I try to hold it together for them, but you know, I, I grieve in my room or in the shower, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The shower is a great spot for that. Isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's perfect. That's, you know, exactly where I was every time I was grieving. Yes. I found one of the things that's really magical about the shower is one, not only does it wipe away and clean up all the snot, but two, <laughs> If you need yeah. to help reduce like the puffiness that comes right afterwards, you can turn on cold water and it takes it down really fast. Right. So you, it really is a good thing. And then if you look a little off, you say, oh, I was taking a cold shower. Yep. Yep. That's exactly it. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, it seems like a kind of a loaded question to ask sure. what the biggest struggle was, because inevitably there's going to be so many struggles during all that, but you know, you as a, a newly widowed woman with your kids, did you find that in the midst of all that over these last couple of years, there was one struggle that really was the hardest for you? Um, probably um, just letting go of it all. Because mm -hmm. I came to one day and I thought, um, I just don't want to cry anymore. <laughs> I don't want to cry yeah. anymore. I don't want to be sad anymore and no matter how much I cry no matter how upset I am he's never coming back so that crying isn't going to help anything so that that was probably it I mean just trying to let all of that kind of go that realization that nope he's not coming back so I have to figure something else out it's going to work when you say when you say Donna letting it go did you feel like you were holding on to like the crying and some of the pain that came with it? Yes. Yes. I felt like I, that was my new way of life. Yeah. Being sad. And I just didn't, I just didn't want to do that anymore. So I, I had to change myself, my whole thought process. Yes. 
I, well, I'm so grateful you articulated that too, because I find that oftentimes in, 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 in grieving and, and one of the ways people really get stuck in that process and, and stuck in the painful places, they get so, they get so attached to the pain, to the crime, right. because it, because, because it becomes twofold. It becomes one, a new way to keep a connection alive. They're afraid that if they stop feeling pain, then they will forget, they will cease to love and so on. And it also is a penance for in some cases, right? People won't think they should have done more. They should have done this. They should have done that. So the pain becomes this like, it's almost like a paper cut, daily paper cut of penance. I should have, I should have, I should have, I should have, I should have. Right. <clears throat> when, and so when you, when you were, when you were going through and you were, when you were, when you were in this, this uh, struggle and, and all the tears and whatnot, did you find that there was, I often find that for people, there's a moment of decision they have where they decide, you know, there's literally a line they draw in the sand and they say, okay, this is how things were and this is how it has to be now. And it sounds like you, you became aware of that. We're changing your thinking, changing how you're doing things. Do you, were you aware of, or do you recall like a specific moment in time when you said, you know what, I have to make this change? Um, I think I, I don't know of a particular moment. Maybe it was like a particular time period. Nothing really set me off except maybe the fact that, like I said, I just didn't want to cry anymore. I didn't want to be sad anymore. And it may be because I have a sister-in-law, his sister, and she just doesn't, she just cries all the time. Well, like I try to go out and have some fun and mm -hmm. she'll cry. And, and, and it came to a point where I thought, I don't know that I can, and I know this sounds mean, but I, I don't know that I can be around her yeah. because I don't want to be this way. Yeah. I don't want to cry all the time. I don't, and maybe because I saw it in her. Yep. And I thought, whew, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want I people don't... looking at me with that. I feel yeah. sorry for you. And no. Yeah. That does not sound mean at all. In fact, it sounds, it sounds quite the opposite. I think that sometimes when we stay, we stay stuck in that cycle we do it because we've become so attached or formed connections with other people who are stuck in that cycle and we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to let them down. We don't want to diminish their expectations, but this is kind of one of those airline scenarios, right? We have to secure our oxygen masks first before we can secure and assist other people and withdrawing ourselves from those who are still in that cycle. It gives us an opportunity to really get good with us and really heal the wounds that we have and, and, and start to move forward in a way that, that would be really, that we'd want to move forward, that our loved ones would want us to move forward in. And what it also does is it puts, puts us in a place of, of strength to be able to be there for those people should they ever circle back around and be ready to make some of the same decisions that we have. Oh, that's a really good way to think of it. I never thought of it that way. That's good. Yeah, so you're actually, I would argue that instead of it, being maybe sounding mean, I would actually argue that it sounds like a very compassionate and loving decision you made because it's putting you in a position to really be good with you and strong with you. And so should his, should her, his sister ever get to the place where she's ready to you know, make her decision and decide she's not wanting how life's been, she's going to be able to reach out to you and you can literally take her by the hand and say, here, here's some of the things I've done. This is what you can do too. And she'll see your example of strength too with that and say, wow, you know, I know what Donna was like back then and look at her now. She's going out. She's trying to have some fun. She's doing things for herself. I could do that too. Hmm, that's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So I like you doing that. 
But, you know, speaking of having fun, what have you been doing to go out and have some fun? Uh, well, I've been making sure that I work from home, so I'm always in my house. So on the weekends, I make sure that I try to get out. My son plays baseball, so I've been going to a lot of his baseball games, taking him there. That's fun. Awesome. Go out with my friends. So it's been good. Very cool. Very cool. What has been, Donna, what has been most helpful for you on your journey? Ooh, what's been most helpful? Um, hmm. Well, I guess talking, you know, I don't know. I guess my own frame of mind, you know. Um, uh, I don't usually talk to people. Like People would tell me to go to these support groups and things like that. But And even, like, on Facebook, there's some, like, um, widow support groups and things. But I have a hard time with them because – and I'm just going to be completely honest. I see people on there that say, I've been grieving for seven years. I'll never marry somebody. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is this what I have to look forward to? Yeah. Seven years of, of 20 years of, of being miserable. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, oh, so I don't know. I, I think I just did it myself. I, I don't know. I can't walk, think of. Walk us through, you know, your frame of mind. You mentioned your frame of mind and I've heard you say shift your mindset a couple times. You, are you aware of any like conscious decisions you made to shift or, you know, for example, I used to think this way, but now I, I'm deciding or I'm committing to thinking this way. Um, I think I would always try to think of the past before. Oh, this was so good this way. This was so good this way. But now I think, well, I have to make it good this way. Yes. Different things. Like I know that this might not be done the way he would do it, but I have to figure out a different way to do it so that it's still the same, even with like holidays or something, you know, with the kids. So we have to find a different way to celebrate or a different yes. way, but still make it happy, you know, yes. honor him in some way, but still make it happy. So I think that's, that's a huge thing. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. The people who I've really seen successful in the healing and moving forward, and their own individual journeys are the ones who do exactly what we did. They, they get out of the past. And, and what's interesting too, is that when we lose someone, have you ever noticed that all of a sudden we filter out all of the challenges, struggles and everything, and everything just says this perfect perfection. It was so wonderful. Right. So all this and stuff, and we, all the, all the, all the, you know, not, I don't like the word bad, but you know, for lack of a better word, bad is thrown away. And, and then we get so stuck in how wonderful and magical and, and, and that's not to say that it wasn't, but that doesn't have to die with the person. Right. Right. That, that wonderful, that magicalness, that happiness, all those things, it's still out there and available. And I love what you said about, it's about making a decision to you know, you know, do something to celebrate, do something to be happy. We have to make it happy now, right? It right. may not be how it was, but we can still make it happy now and in honor of him. Right, right, absolutely. And you're right, you, you do. You filter out all of the stuff that was bad and you change that person into being some godlike thing, which wasn't true, you know? It's just, he was a person with faults, just like I'm a person with faults. Anybody's a person with faults and, you know. People have to remember that too. Yeah, it's 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 so imperative, and I think and I think that honest, and this isn't in any way it doesn't in any way diminish the memory or the the quality of character the person was. It's just it's saying like, hey, they were a human being, flaws and all. Right. And that's what I loved about them. Right. 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 You know, it's when it's when 
we start to get more stuck in the past when we start to put people up on this pedestal that is, it's unfair because they would never want to be put on that pedestal to begin with. Right. And then they become like the, the antique China that's only supposed to be taken out every third Christmas, but only by so-and-so, right? And it's up there just literally collecting dust and you see it the whole time and think, wow, that's, you know, it's really nice. And I'm always going to be worried about an earthquake coming and knocking it over. Right. <laughs> and then right. what would I do? <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. And there was something else you mentioned too, that I just want to highlight. It sounded like too, because I, this was my experience too, is I, I came across quite a few groups on Facebook and stuff, and it, they're all well-intentioned groups, but people would be so, uh, you know, almost committed to staying just in pain and misery. And when I say that word committed, I'm not saying that somebody's waking up in the morning and saying, today I'm going to be miserable. But what happens is, is unconsciously we start to train ourselves through different patterns of behavior, through our, through our interactions, through our people who are around us. We condition ourselves to learn how to meet our needs through going through pain, right? Somebody who's lost someone, they want to feel connected, they want to feel like they belong, they want to feel like they're part of a group. Well, if the group is predicated on being sad, depressed, miserable, you're going to have to find a way to feel like you belong, right? And we see this in all sorts of extremes. We see it in gangs. We see it in churches. We see it in kids at school, all sorts of things, right? And in grief and loss, it's no different except for the magnitude of the emotion that brings us there. And I think it's so imperative for people, and that's part of what motivated me to create this group, is I wanted to have a group, a resource out there that wasn't focused on grief and wasn't focused on being sad, but it was actually focused on healing. It's focused on moving forward. It was focused on the, that you can have life after loss, that you can be happy, that you can be fulfilled, that you can feel love, because it's, it's, it's a total possibility. And it, the only thing that prevents people from doing that is the decisions they make that they can't do it. To your point about what the one person said, it's been seven years and I will never A, B, C, X, Y, Z. Right. And, and maybe that's what happened to me. Maybe I read that and thought, holy cow, no, no, no. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. I, I feel like they want to be that way. Like they've made the, like you said, they made the decision to yeah. stay in that pain because that's, all they know right now and like maybe not you know they're afraid they'll forget them or something but yeah it's amazing um what our psychology does behind the scenes when we're when we have all these emotions come up and we're trying to figure out we're trying to make sense of things we're trying to figure out what it is we need to do to 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 get through this right you know we may take the again best intention well-intentioned advice from people uh, one of my biggest beefs in in i think the lack of education for this this space is it's a the age-old adage it takes time well it takes time what the hell does that mean it takes time like you know if i were to tell you oh hey you're you're in the airport you got to get from you're you're on the east coast so you got to get out to the west coast because of something and you get to the airport and they say oh your plane's delayed and you say when can i expect to depart oh, i don't know donna it just takes time <laughs> you know we, we, it takes time is so unacceptable for virtually anything else in our life, but for this that has the, the emotional power to derail, hold back, alter our life, perhaps more than anything else, sometimes we can't do better than it takes time. 
and you're leaving this person who goes into this huge void and it's this darkness around them and they're in there and they don't know what to do. They're scared. They're sad. They're all those things. And they don't have a flashlight. They don't have a map, a compass or direction or anywhere to go because it just takes time. So then we're supposed to sit in the dark. And I think one of the most important things is, is, is to give direction and to give, and to give that, to give guidance and, and, and not have it just be about, okay, well, here we are. We might as well just stay here and talk about, what's making us miserable and what's making us here. And that's not to say that there's not a time and space to talk about what's going on, but it's talking about what you're feeling and then also putting your feelings and your actions in a direction towards where you'd want to go. Right. Deciding that there's still hope, there's still potential out there for you. Right. And there is. Yeah. For everybody. So, yeah, that's how I feel. Donna, if you could have one piece of advice to share with everyone, you know, um, I guess just not to get stuck in that grief. I, I mean, it's easy to stay in bed. It's easy to sit in the house. It's easy not to go out, but just go out and do something, find something. Just, even if you just go to the mall and walk around or, yeah. or, you know, just find something, go outside, enjoy the sunshine when there is sunshine. <laughs> We've had so much rain, so it's like miserable, but you know, take a walk. Find a new friend. Just get out and try to change your mindset. Yeah. Because they wouldn't want you to be sitting alone crying miserable. So true. They would never want you to be sitting alone crying being miserable. And it's those baby steps. It's the, you know, what is the adage? The journey of a thousand steps always begins with that first one. Right. So, Donna, you're awesome. Thank you so much for being here and sharing. This is, yeah. This has been absolutely amazing. And I, there's a few times where I could just, I could feel such a, such an emotion of, of, of respect and admiration for you and your journey and, and being here sharing. And I just, I'm so grateful for your journey and your presence here and, and what you've shared with everybody today. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Healing from Loss, the podcast. If you found value in this, please subscribe, rate, and review it on whatever platform you're listening to it on. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to leave a comment and share this with someone who can benefit from it. Until next time, carpe diem, live this moment in honor of your loved ones.